Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, BetOnline is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V, BELIEVE, to receive the rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. What's good, everybody, and welcome to Believe in Celtics, brought to you by Bet Online. Insane news as we get on air to record that doesn't involve the Celtics directly, but maybe could help the Celtics. We'll see. Uh, my guy Gary Washburn here from <laughs> from the Boston Globe. We're still kind of here chuckling and reeling a little bit about this one, so we're just going to jump right in, man. But again, as always, make sure you're following us on Twitter, G Washburn Globe, Michelle Sports NBA. Um, but let's tap in, man. As we hit the air, Gary. Big trade you brought to my attention, literally as we were hitting record on this joint, Kyrie Irving traded to the Dallas Mavericks after requesting a trade earlier in the week. Full details of the, tale of the trade still being sussed out, but as we have it right now, Kyrie and Markeith Morris head to Dallas. In exchange, Brooklyn Nets gets get Spencer, get Spencer Didwitty back. Um, in addition to Doran Finney-Smith in a 2029 first-round pick and some 2027 Second round picks and a, a couple other second round picks as well, too. But the crux of the deals are the players here right now. Kyrie and Marquise Morris for Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith. Your initial reaction to this one here, um, you know, for, for both sides, you know, let's take it from the Dallas side because obviously it means a little bit more to us on the Brooklyn side later on. So we'll save that for a little bit on the, on the next side. Uh, but for Dallas, what's going on here? Luca gets his help, uh, but is Kyrie the answer for, for that for that, for that that equation? Yeah, Warren, Um it's a, it's, I think that this is a kind of a really risky move for the Dallas Mavericks. Um, one, you give up two core guys in Finney Smith, who I've always liked, has turned himself into, I don't know if he was a second round pick or even non drafted out of Florida uh, several years ago, into a really your consummate three and D guy, the guy who can shut down, you know, uh, opposing uh, leading scores and also hit the three from the, from the corners and kind of, Add a little offense there. I always liked his game. Dinwiddie has improved over the years and gotten healthy after the ACL and has been a, a pretty good player for the Mavericks. You give up two starters for Kyrie and Luke and one, you only got one basketball out there, Warren. So mm-hmm. who's going to play off the ball? Does this get, is this better that Luca plays off the ball sometimes, can post up a little bit, maybe, you know, but he's not a, he's not really a spot up shooter. So, like, you know, do you, do you post him? What do you do with Luke off the ball? Because a lot of his creativity is from 
the dribble. And then that's the same thing with Kyrie Irving. So I don't know how that goes. Dallas does get more star power. You know, this is a team that's been, for whatever reason, Warren, and, and there's certain franchises, like we know that free agents aren't going to go to Utah, Indiana, you know, some of these other teams, maybe Memphis at time. Memphis has been in that discussion, Portland, at, you know, major free agents. Dallas is one of those teams, Warren, that, you know, like a, like Washington or Atlanta or, you know, that for whatever reason, major free agents just don't vibe with, with Dallas. And they've had, a, you know, they got they got DeAndre Jordan after he, you know, did the whole like uh, left him at the altar the year before or whatever. They finally got DeAndre Jordan, but he was on his way down. He was in declining. They don't get those like, you know, max guys, right? Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. got through trade with the Porzingis. They're like, so this is a chance for them to get another legitimate all-star player, okay? And that's good for the Dallas and the, but does it help them win? Can you take on the Western Conference competitors with Luca and Kyrie? Okay, one neither is very good at defense. They're, they'll they'll try, and you trade it just trade away Warren your best defender in yeah. Finney Smith, and then who else is out there? You're going to run Hardaway out there probably back into the starting lineup. Obviously. Christian Wood, uh, the green, the young green kid from Arizona has been kind of emerging. Um, I don't know what Dallas has besides like that's a good dynamic duo, but what else is there? And can you really say this makes them a competitor to win the West? I don't think so. It makes a competitor be entertaining to score a lot of points, to have two guys who can go for 50 on any given night. That's but the, the Nets were like that, right? With, with, yeah. KD, with KD and, and Kyrie. So, but you got to have some substance. You know, you, you can't, you know, you got to have some meat on that sandwich. You just can't have two high scoring guys. You got to have some defenders. You know, Christian Wood, this puts a lot more pressure on him. And and, uh, um, and he's a free agent this uh, coming up, you know, I believe. Uh, so for Dallas, Warren, this makes them different. I don't know if this makes them better. Yeah, that's a great point. I think they're like you just said they're just they're just different. Is it just a different way to to slice the apple here? Kyrie and Lucas start. Then you like you said it's Tim Hardaway, I guess, at the three or Reggie Bullock, maybe Reggie Josh Bullock. Maine, yeah, he, I didn't mention him. Yeah, maybe you know again, kind of squinting to see can Markeith who they get back? Do they put him into the starters minutes? That seems foolhardy. They're waiting for Kleber to get back. Um, yeah, Kleber, I'm looking at their roster. Dwight Powell, um, yeah. you know, Kleber's hurt. Uh, now, the kid that I think will, will benefit from this, Warren, is Jaden Hardy, the G League Ignite kid who has kind of come. He's the reason why they kind of bumped off, unfortunately, uh, for your Celtic faithful, Kimba Walker, because yeah. – uh, they wanted to give Hardy more minutes. I, I saw him in person score like 15 points in about eight minutes against the Celtics. It was garbage time. But the kid, I think this is this is a chance to give him. He's only 20, but to give him an opportunity. But if we're talking about Warren competing this year in the West, now if Dallas has some more moves up their sleeves before Thursday, 
I'd say, okay. Other than that, you traded your two guard and a solid score in Dinwiddie and your best defender for a guy who, you know, and I think Kyrie will be on his best um, behavior. And honestly, too, on the personal side, I think Kyrie's uh, oldest child lives in the Texas and Dallas area, too. So maybe that was a kind of a lure for him uh, to want to go there. I know he said he has an older uh, daughter, um, if I'm not mistaken, through knowing him through my Celtic day, covering uh, when he was the, his Celtic days. He, he does have a daughter who lives in Texas. So maybe that's a kind of a lure to be close to her. But for me, I just don't see, like I said, I see Dallas being interesting to watch, fun to watch with those two guys, but contending, beating Denver, beating teams with real depth, no. Yeah, yeah. Well, Dallas Mavericks make a big move. Mark Cuban signs off on it. They get Kyrie Irving to pair him alongside Luka Doncic. I mean, like you said, it's going to be exciting from in terms of backcourt, you know, all those – you know, those aggregate accounts, the best backcourts in the NBA, you'll, they'll have a lots of fun to kind of run with some of those those kind of comparisons here now. But from a basketball sense, long-term with Dallas, unless other moves are to be had. And here we're recording this literally minutes after the trade was announced here on, on Twitter. Uh, we'll see where Dallas lands. So let's switch gears here to the Brooklyn side and more or less and kind of how that Brooklyn side now impacts the Boston Celtics. Brooklyn was a fierce and staunch competitor. Uh, to, to well, at least in theory, in terms of the standings, although the matchups themselves have been obviously leaning toward Boston's favor here recently. But when it comes down to playoff time, I think Celtics knew that they might have to see see Brooklyn again. The the Brooklyn Nets now are very different and have a a roster that's awkward. I I think Shams is out here reporting like it gives them still a chance to be competitive, et cetera, et cetera, and. I guess, you know, um, obviously it depends when what, what happens with KD and what they ultimately do. Uh, we were talking off air. Uh, I don't know how the Ben Simmons of this all fits into this equation now with Dinwiddie, who will probably will need to be ball dominant as well. You still have Seth Curry. You have Cam Thomas kind of coming into his own here, yeah. even in these last couple of games with, with KD out. Uh, I guess they have no problem just kind of relegating him back to, you know, spot rotation minutes. Uh, but from the Brooklyn side, is this still a top ended eastern conference team is as currently constructed like what are your early thoughts here again these are early folks so we're just kind of balling yeah it all depends or i think cam thomas is a very interesting case here he had 43 points against the wizards uh he kind of carried him in the second half i mean you know we could talk about the wizards blowing a 20 point lead against portland at home and then blowing a 23 point lead the next night i think the i read the washington post for ava wallace like the first team in 20 plus years to blow consecutive 20 point leads on uh, consecutive nights and had an, um, and they had just won six straight yeah <laughs> and, and they just but they they wizard they wizarded <laughs> again um you can't lose to a, a chaotic Nets team without KD or Kyrie I mean if you want to try to make a playoff run but okay I think the the Nets here I think they're like you know what Let's get this guy further. Let's get this guy the hell out of here. Yeah. We're done. We're tired. Three and a half years of chaos. It was, you know, Wick Grusbeck and Brad Stevens are doing backflips and high five. They're doing the kid and play with each other right now over Kyrie's decision to opt out and leave. Because I just think that they saw what he did to Brooklyn and he just left that place a wreck. Okay. So you're looking at Dinwiddie. I like him as a player. He's got 
real guts. He plays hard. He's a guy who was a second-round pick, blew his knee out, uh, has come all the way back in terms of, like, making a good career because I remember in his draft, uh, he, he was telling everybody how good he was going to be. And everybody, I remember talking to scouts who was like, boy, this Dinwiddie, he loves himself. He like, you know, he, he <laughs> bet on Spencer, you know, <laughs> he bet on himself and he's turned himself to a quality guard. Okay. So I think him being in Brooklyn before his familiar surroundings, I think he'll fit right in. Did, uh, Finney Smith's a guy that that's why you signed Royce O'Neal. They're the same guy, as I told you, we talked off air. They're the same guy, right? The three and D guy, a guy who's, who, who's going to, you know, he'll hit the he'll hit that three when he's open. He'll, he can dri- dribble into the paint. He's got a little athletic, you know, Finney Smith's got athleticism. But his job is to, okay, my man, guard Jason Tatum, guard DeMar DeRozan, guard, like his job is to guard, you know, go, go out there and check Zach Levine, go out there, whatever, right? So, do you do you does Jock Vaughn play both of those guys? And then where do you play? As we talked about, where's Ben Simmons in this? Because you can't have two to three guys who can't who aren't really offensive. Yeah, Claxton, who is emerging, he's a fixture there now. Do you put Joe Harris or Seth Curry in the lineup over Dinwiddie? Or, or Dinwiddie? Dinwiddie's your point. If then what is your point? Then is Simmons coming off the bench? You like a lot of decisions here, and wow. a lot on the fly. If you call yourself wanting to compete in the East, now it might work. They still got guys like T.J. Warren. You know, Patty Mills is still there. You know, they got guys, but I just think this gives them two more guys who are just going to be reliable and play ball. Like I don't know if this makes them better. Um, they weren't, they were what, four and seven with Kyrie without yeah. KD. But if you're thinking Claxton, KD, when he comes back, Dinwiddie, okay. So you, do you play, do you, do you play both Dinwiddie, sorry, Finney Smith and, um, O'Neal? What That's do you tough. do? With, <laughs> what do you do with those guys? Do you have two guys who are kind of the same? Looks like the Spider-Man meme. Like yeah. they're, they're basically the same type of player. Um, so I just think the Nets are thrilled to get the hell, get Kyrie the hell out of town. They're packing his bags. They're calling his Uber to the airport. Um, they're setting all that up. But I also think that this doesn't make them necessarily better. It just makes them more reliable. And that's it. What happens with TJ Warren? What happens with Simmons? You know, um, they got guys, but those guys are going to really have to come together now, because you don't have that reliable second score, you have Dinwiddie, Joe Harris. Like, what happens with Joe Harris? Do you start him in the backcourt with Dinwiddie? Uh, or do you play Simmons? Or do you play, you know, like, what happens to this team? Or Seth Curry. Yeah, like, who? it's a lot of guys who are good, but not great. Yeah, you know, Gary, I think as you're talking, two things kind of come to mind. One, Jacques Vaughn, I feel for you, my guy. Listen, you 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 bided your time. You finally got the head coaching gig, got them rolling in the right way. Katie goes down, and all hell breaks loose. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, you like, feel bad for Jacques. Jacques cannot catch a break, and now as you allude to this roster, because I think what ends up happening here is you have to try to now manage a team that, as you alluded to, have very similar skilled players. And maybe not all at the same position, but talent-wise, 
like there's a lot of duplicity in that. You know, are Seth and Joe Harris kind of the same in, in what they do? Do you need them both? There's still Patty Mills on this team, you know, mind you as well, too, right? Now you bring Diddy Woody into us. You got Simmons going on with whatever he's got going on mentally and physically, you know, trying to figure figure that out. And now you bring in, you know, Finney Smith to pair alongside Royce O'Neal. Claxton is emerging. It's just said it's just a lot of guys. TJ Warren still battling injuries we, here and we, there. You got to play Cam Thomas. Thomas. Cam Thomas. <laughs> so where does he go? Like you so, got a lot of guys. Like if I'm Brooklyn, honestly, I just go Cam Thomas. Dude, 21 or whatever he is. He, I mean, the dude got he 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 could score. Now, yeah. does he ignore other parts of his game? Yes, but. Why you'll play to me like I just go all Cam Thomas all the time. I give him 30 minutes a game. Now, if he just falls on his face and can't defend and all that, but you got a lot of guys, as we talked about, Warren, you just said a lot of guys who are pretty good players, but not great. Do all those pretty good players make you a contender? Yeah. And I think, again, that's what I'm saying with, with Vaughn. How does he manage it? And how did you manage those egos? Because you know, if I'm Finney Smith, I'm just like, well, you know, who the hell is Royce O'Neal? <laughs> you know what I mean? Why Why should he get or why should I have to share my minutes with him, so to speak? Again, and it can't be done. It can't be done. I don't know these guys as individuals and their, their overall characters, so to speak. And maybe they will just kind of all acquiesce. But to me, you've given Jacques Vaughn another problem, in essence, to handle, even though Kyrie was the biggest issue and probably the headache in, in, in modern NBA history in, in a lot of ways, despite all the talent that he brought, you know, to yeah, that team and that yeah. roster. So what it means for Boston now is, at least in theory, there's one less elite team on the table, at yeah. least for right now. Right? I think we're going to need Brooklyn to figure out some things before we can consider them back in the upper echelon part of this conversation where they fan. And again, they can still make other moves and all this stuff before Thursday. Um, and you know maybe there's more things to come. I think if you're Boston, you can't really be worried about what other teams are doing, but you look at a move like that, and you're like, all right, well, cool <laughs> you know yeah. that's you you got those problems now we can try to focus on you know on on ourselves um what i want to take us to here now is uh over the last week obviously they're one and one handled brooklyn <laughs> ceremoniously so i think a lot of jokes you know from celtics twitters you know and again i'm sure now after the Kyrie date has has the boss of celtics ended the brooklyn nets era with Kyrie and kd kind of officially um, a lot of those conversations happened over the course of the summer after the, the sweep in the first round. Book um, ultimately obviously came back, but now they are going to obviously be breaking up that duo. Uh, tough game against Phoenix for for, for the Boston Celtics. Um, I think I said coming into that, I was like, the Suns kind of owed them one. Um, but at the end yeah. of the day, that was still a winnable game. There's some some issues with the offense here. There's some still some the non-Tatum minutes are starting to look a little scary, I think, for the Celtics as well. Um, but really quickly, because we we got a, we got a lot to get to still too, obviously with Celtics part of the trade deadline as well too. But your quick thoughts here on not necessarily the Brooklyn Gangs. I think we talked enough about Brooklyn, but just what happened against the Phoenix Suns for the Celtics, um, and then we'll move into some trade talk. Yeah, I mean, I just thought the Phoenix game was another disappointing performance, a, a team that they should have beaten. I thought that they jumped out to that seven nothing lead, and it looked like okay. And I think Phoenix Phoenix started the started the uh, game 0 for 9, so it looked like they just weren't into it. The Celtics jumped out, and then all of a sudden Phoenix scored the next 12 points, then get, went 15 for the next 20, and the Celtics lost all control of the game. And, you know, I think it's the whole notion, as we've talked about, Warren, giving those teams confidence. 
Yeah. Like it was, it was not only uh Mikhail Bridges, who I thought was very good, did a good job on Tatum. Tatum just wasn't himself. It might have been one of those games, Warren, that you might want to give Tatum the game off. Like I just think this looked like Tatum was just not into it. And it might have been physical where he's like, hey man, I'm just tired, you know. But this might have been one of those games that you probably were better off without Tatum. Not to say he was a detriment, but he he, he three three field goals in the game. He hadn't had that fewer in 104 games. So he, he just was himself. And then he didn't get a lot of help from, you know, Horford. Grant Williams, I think, played 22 minutes, did not score. Like, they just didn't have the production. And then they let guys like Damian Lee, Ish Wainwright, Saban Lee. Like, you let the – you know, because Chris Paul wasn't brilliant. It wasn't like, whoa, Paul had 27 points, you know, 15 assists, eight boards. Like, Paul was solid. Bridges was good. Aiton scored eight points early and I think finished with 12 or something like that, maybe, right? 12, 14, I, I want to say it's 12. He he got off. It was like, oh, boy, they're going to need – but it was like Jock Landale, like the – the you let the little homies get off on you. Yep. You know, you let the – you let the – you let guys get confidence, and that's what you can't do. That's what happened against Oklahoma City. If you look at the pattern of Celtics' losses, to look, it's some of these guys getting off early, seven, eight, ten points, couple of – Three pointers in a row. You look at the two Orlando games, Admiral Schofield, guys that were like, you, you, you got to really be a good NBA fan to know Damian Lee and yeah. and Ish Wainwright, you know, <laughs> like you, you know former college football player Baylor who ended up making the switch to basketball, like Stephen Lee, guy on a two way, like they just got him too. <laughs> yeah, they just yeah, like and he, you know, it was to me, you know, they it looked like. They got discouraged. And I just what I don't understand about the Celtics Warren is sometimes their mental, I'll say mental fragility, where they tried, 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 tried the whole third quarter to take the lead. They couldn't. They trailed by, I want to say by one at the end of the third. Malcolm Brogman has one of his patented little floaters. He missed it that would have put him ahead. And that was it. They were done after that. Phoenix goes on a 14-2 run with their bench, with its bench, right? It was not Chris Paul. It was not Aiden. It was the, their bench dominated the Celtics early fourth quarter. The Celtics were, couldn't recover. And to me, you got to be tougher in that situation. You got to be tougher. You got to, you know, you can't, one, let this team get confidence, and two, when you got a chance to, to take the lead because it just seemed like, Warren, if the Celtics had gone up by five or six points, then you're like, okay, Phoenix has got to put together two to three consecutive good possessions to try to come back. Are they capable? You're putting all the pressure on the Suns. The Suns never relinquished the lead. Right. And then I said, so I, I thought that was one of the more disappointing games because besides Marcus Smart, a fully stocked roster, they scored 94 points. And, you know, Phoenix just out-hustled them, got – Offensive rebounds, out just outplayed them, and I'm just like, you got no Cam Johnson, no Devin Booker, you know, you can't look at that and be like, oh, we got this. And right. then they went up, to, oh, the seven nothing. It's not football. Seven nothing is like that's nothing in the NBA. A twenty point lead. The Celtics trailed fifty three thirty three. They made that up and, and caught them, 
midway through the third quarter. So you can't think just because you punch first that team's not going to respond. So I just thought it was a disappointing effort all around. It wasn't like some, you know, Devin Booker played and went for for, for 50 or for 70 or, or right. <laughs> Phoenix played out of their minds. Whereas one of hey, it's one of those nights. Like the Phoenix played a solid game. They played a well, they're well coached. We know by Bonnie Williams. They had a good defensive game plan against Tatum. Tatum looked like he just wasn't into it. And then besides Jalen, no, no one really helped out. No one, you know, Grant, we talked about. You know, Robert Williams was okay. Um, but I, I just something just it just it, something was missing that night. And it was a real for them when you are trying to um win the east and here comes Milwaukee and here comes Philly, those are the games you gotta win. You can't lose at home to a team that's shorthanded like that. And they're scheduled like now they got Philly coming up. We'll talk about that on Wednesday. You know, they got Philly twice before the All-Star break. You know, two against Detroit, I think, a Charlotte um, in Milwaukee. So they see the Philly twice to Milwaukee uh, before the All-Star break. So we'll see what they're made of. You know, I, I, I when I watched that game, you know, I, I, I felt a sense of, like, just disjointment. And Jalen says after the fact, you know, again, we didn't have, we just didn't have it. Like we took, like that, well, that's it. They squandered it and they did take some things for granted after shellacking Brooklyn and then tweeting out again, another energy shifter. So now that we can bomber the, the Celtics by every Jalen Brown tweet or every Jalen Brown comment, but I think, you know, for those things, it's it's a little disappointing against a team that, as I said, I think felt like they were, they wanted to win um, based on the two previous games that, that Boston held and embarrassed them. But you're right. Things didn't play like an immaculate game. They just were a little bit tougher, and, and Boston was a little bit unfocused and undisciplined, unfortunately. Um, we have still a lot more to get into. We're already 20-plus minutes in, so why don't we take a quick break here? Uh, we'll switch things up here a little bit. We'll talk about the Celtics um, at the coming up with the trade deadline. We'll talk a little bit about, obviously, the week ahead, another four-game week. You know, those are always fun, <laughs> you know, um, and we'll see what things, what, what are, what's what's the lie ahead for the Boston Celtics here on brought to you by Ben online here. So we'll be right back here on the Geno time segment. Believe in Celtics. And we're back on this week's segment of Geno time brought to you by Ben online. Believe in Celtics. We're going to talk a little bit more about the trade deadline and the four week game four week, four game week ahead for the Boston Celtics. Um, so, Gary, last week you spoke a little bit about Celtics' potential interest and what you were thinking in terms of, you know, a Terrence Ross. You know, we're I was like, hey, could we get into a Mo Bamba situation? Mo Bamba goes out swinging against Austin Rivers. <laughs> <laughs> Just a couple uh, of days after that. So that's fun. Um, are there any other names? Have you heard anything else kind of in the short term? Uh, ironically, we're talking off air, and I was talking to one of the Clippers guys, and I had realized that Robert Covington had fallen out of the rotation, you know, over there as well, too. And seems like a guy Boston could maybe be interested in. Not depend, don't know what the price would be there. Uh, but are there some other other names since we last spoke that you've come up with, maybe heard about? I don't know how this Brooklyn trade changes anything, you know, for Boston in terms of the trade front. It probably doesn't. Um, but just in general, any other guys out there that you think the Celtics could kick the tires on and, and potentially invest in? There's a couple guys. There's a couple guys, Warren. You know, there could be a reuni reuniting with Kelly Olenek, a guy who, okay, this is the thing about Utah. Utah is like, listen, like, you know, we're competing. 
but we're looking to also enhance our roster, prepare for the future, stock more draft picks, figure out what we're going to do with this roster. Okay. So they're in a really interesting situation in Utah. But Kelly Olenek and Jarek Vanderbilt, uh, mm. who's a free agent this summer, also could be available. I think Vanderbilt will fit in very nicely with this team. But what is Trader Danny, Dan, or Danny and Brad doing a deal? That's going to be interesting. What's, you know, they know each other so well. How is that going to work? PJ Washington from Charlotte, he's a guy I think that the Hornets lost again today to, to the Magic. They're going nowhere. PJ is a restricted free agent this summer. Okay. If you look at the situation in Charlotte, Charlotte might be looking to clean house in terms of just like, okay, we got, first of all, LaMelo's up for that, you know, five-year, $200 million extension, right? So your Charlotte's never given one of those before. Remember, they didn't want to pay Kimba Walker and end up being, unfortunately for Kimba, really astute move for them to pass on giving him the Supermax. But Charlotte's going to have to reach deep in, in – you know, for Michael Jordan, the Charlotte, the under him, they the Charlotte's never been a team that spent a whole lot of money in 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 in, in terms of coaching, in terms of players. Like they've kind of gone on a budget. Yeah. But they're going to have to scrap that if they want Lamelo, because I don't think Lamelo is going to take anything short than the max this summer for his rookie extension. Okay. You still have Gordon Hayward at thirty plus million one more year. You still have Terry Rozier's contract. Um, you know, so the, there's some guys there that are making a good amount of money. So if you're Charlotte, P.J. Washington is a guy who probably can get 12, maybe, like the four-year 48 or something like that, maybe 12 to 15 on the open market, depending on the team, because it's all as worn as we know, yeah. because none of us thought that Gordon Hayward was a max player until he was a max player uh, when Charlotte signed him to that four-year, $120 million deal. And every we were like, wait a minute, hold on. Uh, you know, someone maxed. So don't think that, guys, you know, it, it takes one team to overpay. And we, it's, it happens every year all around the league. So P.J. is a guy that Charlotte's going to have to invest in eventually, okay, um, because he's a restricted free agent. A team might make him an offer. So does Charlotte decide to move Washington for maybe a first-round pick, say, hey, you, next team, you it's like the Grant Williams situation. You deal with re-signing them. And remember, they got Jalen McDaniels, a guy who I, – I, I mean, the McDaniels brothers are both turning to pretty damn good players. Uh, yeah. You know, are they twins? I, I think they're twins. Are they twins? I'm not sure if they're twins. Um, sure. Yeah, but like, you know – Jaden in Minnesota, kind of that you know stretch guy, stretch four, swing man. And Jalen has been a very good player. He's a free agent this summer. But I think Charlotte, homegrown kid, wants to invest in him. So if you're the, if you're the Hornets, P.J. Washington could be available um, because Charlotte just says, listen, we are not going to pay this guy. We want compensation. We are not going to match. It's it's been nice, but he doesn't help us win. So he's a guy to look at. Um, you know, there's various guys around the league. I was told that uh, Warren, like you know, unfortunately for the Celtics, like Blake Griffin just hasn't been what on the floor. 
okay, on the floor because they were looking for a third big, right? And they've had their they've had their options, right? Demarcus Cousins, Lamarcus Aldridge, all these guys still trying to get back Still in. Hmm. Dwight Howard, Hassan Whiteside, all these guys still trying to get back in. Um, Brad chose Blake Griffin, great locker room guy, very humble, not not complaining about minutes. Of course, he loved to play more, but I think Missoula said to himself, "Okay, I really don't want to use this guy very often, maybe because." Of his, he does his skill set has declined. We all know, like he's lost so much athleticism. It's, it's, it's tough to watch. You know, he's one of those guys you you look at Blake, and now he's become kind of a fan favorite and shoot the three, Blake, and all that. And this guy was a dominant player for a decade, man. Like it's hard to watch that. It but is. It is. That's the part of professional sports that we, we've seen. You know, Emmett Smith played for the Cardinals. We've seen. You know, we've seen all these greats that play until you, you you peel the uniform off of them. But I think that they didn't get out what they wanted out of Blake. And then I think, and then, you know, you tell me what you think, Warren, the Cornette minutes are getting a little too much. Like, like I think they like them, but they're putting them in situations where it's like, is you know, Robert, you know, they, they, they don't want to play Robert 35 minutes. Al's 36 years old. Uh, so they don't want to play those guys, so they play in Luke, and Luke is doing some things at nice at times, and other times, you know, he gets in situations where he's two feet from the basket and he's looking to pass because he's not really a, a scoring bed. He doesn't have that umph that we talked about the, okay, I'm seven feet, I'm dunking on your ass. Like he doesn't have that kind of, you know, but he does the little things. So I think they're looking for a third big to fill up those minutes. And then the wing position, you know, when we talk about Terrence Ross or something like that, they have to ask themselves, is Hauser someone that can help us? Or is he can can Jalen and Jason play? Are they going to soak up the minutes with Grant and Malcolm and Derek to where you don't need a, another swing man? I happen to think they do need a dude off the bench other than Malcolm that can score, like that can hit a three. Because Grant has just not had a really good stretch. I'm not saying you can't depend on Grant, but I don't. I would depend on Grant to do the little things, not the big things at times. Hauser, you know, he got off to a great start, but I think 30% from three in the last two months, plus months. He, he, since November, he has not been good. So I think that – they're looking to fill backup center, and there's guys out there off the street that they can sign for veterans minimum and just roll the dice. Um, they can wait for the buyout market, or you know, a guy like Nerlens Noel could be is is available. Ner, Ner, still has athleticism, not the smartest guy in terms of like not you know not a guy you would want to play heavy minutes, but a guy who can block some shots, provide some rim protection, rebound, and he can still dunk. He's a young old guy, you know that guy. You know, oh, I know what you're talking to me. <laughs> yeah, you know what is Nerlens? Twenty seven, but he's still. It's like he's on the downside. He never really developed into that. Remember, it was supposed to be him and Anthony Davis in, in New Orleans before he got traded to to Philadelphia. It was it was supposed to be the dynamic duo, and and Nerlens was supposed to be a, a real difference maker. But I think he could still play. So I think the Celtics have some options here. 
they have some big man options. And Nerlens is from a he's from the Boston area. Uh, you know, what would Detroit want? You know, Detroit's a t- another team headed down to headed to Lotteryville along with Charlotte and you know San Antonio and and Houston. Uh, would I don't think I think second round picks would do it. Uh, or you know, Justin Jackson's contract could be moved. So there's a lot of options there, Warren. Uh, that the Celtics could pursue to get a little bit better. I don't think they're gonna like oh Jacob Pirtle. I don't think they're gonna they're gonna package like three you know Grant Pritchard and uh, Gallinari unless they're gonna get a guy who's gonna okay that puts them over the top. Yeah, absolutely over the top. You, you don't make a deal as you know in this league. Warren, just to make a deal. I think we can, we've talked about Dallas and Brooklyn. Was that a deal just to make a deal? I think that might have been in that category where neither team's going to get considerably better. I think that the Celtics like their chemistry. They like what they have, but they know they need a few tweaks. I'm going to throw a couple of names at you, um, you know, just, uh, you know, kind of rapid fire. And you just tell me yeah, yeah or nay. Uh, and it's, it's obviously hard to deal with Toronto. Um, you know, same division in the, in the whole nine or whatever, but they should be another team that be potentially being sellers. You know, I think you've mentioned Thaddeus Young before. What about a Chris Boucher? Either one of those guys have any, would they fit or make any any hay for, for Boston? Would that, you know, float their boat in any way? Yeah, I, Chris is a big who can, who can stretch the floor and shoot the threes, a little inconsistent. I don't know if they're really high on Chris Boucher. Um and Thaddeus Young is a, a wily old veteran who knows how to still can do some things. I would think the Celtics probably be more interested in Thad Young uh, for his value and obviously what he's done done against them over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say more of a uh, Thad Young than Boucher. It all depends on the salary. The question is with this is, okay, guy makes 11 or $12 million, you're going to have to, okay, Gallinari's got to be in that deal. Then you're going to have to, what, Grant? So are you will, are, are, are the sellers willing to give up Grant and just say, okay, Grant, like it, it's been great. You've been a model citizen. You've been a good player. You've improved over the years. But we think we can get slightly better and we're going to move you. And then the same thing with like a Peyton Pritchard. I don't know. That's a good, that's a very good question uh, with with whether the salaries would match and whether the Celtics are willing to give up like Grant or I think Peyton, they probably would knowing it's all about this year. But look at this, at the salaries. Boucher makes 12 million and he's, he signed for two more years after this. Um, I'm, I'm thumbs down on that. Thad Young <laughs> makes 8 million and he signed through 20, he signed for another additional year. Um, 8 million is not that trade exception. So now you would have to pair Gallinari, maybe Peyton, and then Toronto's going to be like, no, 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 no. We want like a, we want some draft capital also. Are you willing to do that with your division opponent and for Thad Young? You know, that's the thing. A lot of these guys that Toronto has available, Warren, make a lot of money. Yeah. Okay. If you look at like, you know, Precious Achua doesn't. He makes two point eight, but I don't think he's available. Right. Um, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to keep it as realistic, you yeah. know, as possible. OG Ananobi, everybody's talking about him. He makes seventeen and eighteen next. You're like, you, you know, you're, and they're going to want, you know, significant capital. Gary Trent Jr. makes seventeen five. 
and Van Vliet makes 21. So if you're looking at the Toronto roster, and I think I said very intriguing possibilities, I think the guys you'd be interested in, like a, uh, I think they'd be interested in like the Precious, but but Toronto's not trying to trade a guy who makes 2.8. That doesn't move their needle at all. No, not at all. And you're not, they're not moving Scotty Barnes. Um, Otto Porter's out for the year as usual. Uh, You know, Kim Birch, you know, makes six and a half. Like the guy, you know, Boucher, I think if he was expiring, but do, do you want two plus years of Chris Boucher? Like that's a real commitment. All right. Hey, hey I, again, we're we're here just to have some conversation. No, 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 no. You know, I get it. I get it. Oh, I, I know, I know, I know. I think Toronto, because remember, he was a free agent this past summer. Toronto just signed him, so yeah. it's re-signed him, brought him back. You know, and the same uh, thing with Thaddeus Young. They gave Thaddeus eight million. You know, that's a lot for Thaddeus Young to me. Uh, for you know, maybe maybe he fits a dinner mid level or whatever. But I think if you if they got the Celtics have to decide whether Gallinari is going to come back or whether right. his trade, his contract at 6.6 or whatever becomes uh, expendable and they can include that in the deal. And I think they would for the right player. So what about the guy and two more? And then, you know, we'll, we'll keep it pushing here. The guy I mentioned earlier, Robert Covington. And what about Milwaukee and Serge Ibaka? Covington is at about 12-ish right now. Um, I think he's got one more year left on his deal, um, you know, so this year and next year. Um, surge is at a veteran minimum. So would you just be better bringing off the a Dwight Howard or DeMarcus Cousin off the street than Serge Ibaka at this point? But quick thoughts on those guys, potentially, Serge Ibaka or Robert Covington. Yeah, Covington's a guy like Ben. Then it becomes like, who do you package for Covington? Because that becomes basically, are you willing to trade Gallinari and Grant for Robert Covington? Um, that's interesting. I think that's interesting. Um, I don't say absolutely not, but I think you've got to think, Warren, why isn't he playing in L.A.? Right. What's going on in L.A. that makes him not playable when he's making $11 million? And um, Ibaka, <laughs> I was told that he's got nothing left in terms of, like, a, a, an attractive – he's in that Dwight Howard, Hassan Whiteside, LaMarcus Aldridge, you know – DeMarcus Cousins category. Like, he might give you something, but do you want to kind of disrupt chemistry? Do you? Because obviously, now, as we've seen, Ibaka's coming in wherever he is with some expectations to play. Right. Because if he was a quote unquote, and I'm going to say he's not a team guy, so his guy, but if he was this, if he was a Blake Griffin type, he'd be like, you know what? I'm on a championship team. Um, you know, yeah, why rock the boat? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, and he's already got a, he won a ring in Toronto, right? Like he was on that 19 Raptors team. So he's got a ring, but he's like, hey, this team trying to win another ring. Uh, let me just, you know, I'm not playing how I want, but let me be a good guy here, cheer on my teammates, try to get another ring, and then I'll figure out next year, you know, next year I'll figure out personally where the hell I want to play because it's not going to be here. He instead is now at home, like, you know, I'm waiting to get waived or traded. So what is – because I just think talking to folks around the Celtics, the third center is not going to play all that much. And so is Ibaka going to be okay with, hey, we need you for 11 minutes tonight, six the next night, like, 
Or is he going to be like, no, 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 I, you know, I, I'm Serge Ibaka. I don't do those. I don't do spot minutes. So I think that's the that's a big concern about Ibaka is what does he have left? And is he going to willing to be, be a team guy? I remember a few years ago, um, Warren, when they had David Lee, and they kind of was, and they ended up moving him or whatever. And David Lee was that veteran guy. I've seen it over the year. Keith Bogans. You don't want the guy, the pouty guy in the corner. I should be playing over these young guys. I, I that, that's what they don't want. That's what they yeah. all out want to avoid is the pouty guy. And every team, a lot of teams have those guys, you know, where they just, I should be playing. And, and, and you don't need this, that type of chemistry disruption in Boston. I think you're right. One thousand percent, especially then if you have to extract any type of draft capital, you know, even if it's second rounders, you know, if that's the case, then you wait for that guy to get bought out. And yeah, you, know you wait for Serge to get bought out. You talk to him and say, listen, yeah. Serge, if you can't do this, we get it. Um, We'll just we'll move forward, and you can you know find another team where you can play 20, 25 minutes a game. I don't know of that team. That's a good team, you know <laughs> not not a not a bad team. You want to play you know you want to play thirty minutes for a bad team. That's some some guys do. They're good being in situations where they get a lot of run and they're not winning. They just they just want to play. Other guys are like I don't know where he can. I don't think he can get thirty minutes in San Antonio right now. Yeah, like so. <laughs> Like, I, I don't know what Ibaka wants in terms – like, I thought in Toronto the last year, like, watch him in a bubble, like, I thought he had turned into more of a perimeter guy, the shot I block you. Like, he wasn't that that menacing defender as he was. I thought him and Gasol both kind of were declining at that particular time. But I, did, I still thought that he could bring it from the perimeter at times. He could still be a rim protector – but you, but you don't want to rely on lots and lots of Serge Ibaka. You know, this ain't the Oklahoma City days. Um, but I don't know what happened in Milwaukee. All of a sudden, I just see him, and he's not playing. He's at the end of the bench. They're looking for, you know, they're, they're like, I guess Bobby Porter's kind of took those backup center minutes in addition to being kind of, you know, and, and you know, Brooke Lopez kept, you know, like they just don't, they don't really have that backup five. So I'm like, well, but. Abak uh, wasn't playing either, so yeah. it could be a personal problem with him and Budenholzer. But I think when you bring a guy like that into a, such a young locker room, that's a real risk. So we'll end the Celtics trade speculation, if you will, as I'm just kind of spitballing some names out here, trying to be as realistic as possible. Um, you know, a couple of days here before the deadline, we'll see what Boston gets into, either from the front court or the wing position situation. Um, lots of names, as you alluded to, especially the bio market could be more lucrative for Boston long-term is having happy to give up any type of draft equity or capital. Um, we'll kind of close the show out here, a four game week, as I as alluded to kind of coming up um, <laughs> Pistons, uh, Pistons, was it Pistons, Sixers, Sixers Hornets, uh, Grizzlies and Grizzlies, Grizzlies on Sunday, right? That's Super Bowl Sunday, Sunday, yeah. So, um, two of those teams are problematic, obviously, for 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 various reasons. Philadelphia at that point could also be right. Well, they already are right. I think they're a game behind right now in terms yeah. of the the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Um, Pistons seem to always give Boston a little bit of trouble as well, too. Um, especially in Detroit, um, has not been great for them down there. 
uh, despite you know, whatever iteration of them that, that that they have going on. Charlotte, we've already seen a couple of times, a couple of, couple of you know interesting games against them. Then again, obviously closing out against John Moran and, and the Memphis Grizzlies. Just your thoughts for this four game week here. Um, if they make a deal, you know, on the trade deadline, could potentially be shorthanded. You know, in that Friday game, I wouldn't expect it to last until until Sunday, but potentially if there's anything were to go down. Um, just your thoughts here on the four-game week. Uh, obviously, the, again, the biggest game against Philadelphia 76ers on Wednesday. Yeah, well, I had a big week. And, and one, you got to get those Detroit and Charlotte games. Like, don't mess around with those guys. Yeah. Like, they should be pissed on Monday night in Detroit. Like, they just got – they just lost – like, Detroit's not a good team. Detroit's – Slipping, they lost the other night to Phoenix. Um, you know, they they they're they're not playing good basketball. They don't have Kate Cunningham. You know, they're kind of Jaden Ivy and just in a couple of other guys just trying to you know Bogdanovich and you know whether he's going to be a piston past Thursday we'll see. But that's a game you take seriously. You can't look forward to Philly. The Philly game, I think they're just going to have to play their best ball. If you, I, I think if you go three and one, that's a good, that's a good week, because I think Memphis is going to come in with something to prove. But you know the, the Grizzlies have not been good over the last month now, um, you know. But they should be fully healthy with Ja and those guys coming in on Super Bowl Sunday. So a very interesting week, a good test. We'll see what the, the Celtics have usually responded. You know, Warren, this year to adversity or playing b- bad games, they've usually responded with good stretch of the basketball. Uh, we'll see if they can snap out of this because I, you know, you could say that they got lucky against the Lakers. You know, they blew out the Nets, but you know they're still ring, reeling to me from that Orlando Miami loss and then the loss to the Knicks. Like you know, they are still got some kinks to work out, especially offensively. So we'll see how they approach Detroit. Make it easy, not in yourself. Get make it to where Jason and Jalen don't have to play the entire fourth quarter or Jason's not playing 48 minutes to get, get a three-point win. Do yourself a favor. Don't mess around with these guys. And then get ready for Philly. Um, and we'll see what happens Thursday with the trade deadline, whether they get kind of, you know, refigured and reformed and then get maybe, you know, rejuvenated with a new guy coming in. We'll see about that. Yeah. Um, so we'll go ahead and cut it here short. I mean, again, we went long here. The Kyrie news kind of throw the whole show into our rears, and we have to kind of touch on that. Um, but again, you know, we'll see how the Celtics land with this four game week. Again, obviously, big game against the Philadelphia 76ers, and hopefully, they'll be up to that test. I agree 1000%. Got to get those games against Detroit and Charlotte specifically, regardless of even if you're a little bit shorthanded, you know, on a Friday night at home. Um, but this is Celtics team, and we're going to talk about this offense. I have some some conversations, some things we need to get off my chest as well, too. But we'll save that till next week yeah. and see where they land. Um, he is the great Gary Washburn. Make sure you're following him on Twitter, G Washburn Globe. Follow me on Twitter at Shaw Sports MBA, Shaw Sports NBA. And again, it's been another great episode of Believe in Celtics, brought to you by Bet Online. We will catch you after the trade deadline. Woo! NBA continues to give, bro. Good, good catching up with you, G Money. Talk to you soon. Always, always, Warren. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.